Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and here at Playful Humans, we talk to people who play for a living. Our guest this week is Gary Ware. He is a keynote speaker and improvisational facilitator and all-around fun human. Uh, Check out his shirt. Very playful. Uh, You can find him at Breakthrough Play, breakthroughplay.com, and uh, there's a personality quiz there as well. So take that playful personality quiz and find playful humans in the playful humans community at playfulhumans.com. Join a whole bunch of other playful humans in the clubhouse. Here we go. podcast Gary we like to start with the joke of the week the joke of the week is brought to you brought to you by clapping clapping the only sane way to repeatedly hit yourself try clapping today uh do you have a joke for us I actually do uh would you love to hear a joke uh about construction Mike uh yes I would actually uh I'm still working on it <laughs> Still building it and putting pieces together. I like that. Uh, I was, I, I think I got one uh, similar. Do you know why the gardener, uh, no, do you know what the gardener does when she's scared? No, what? She wets her plants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Okay, there we go. A couple of jokes you can steal. Have fun with those uh, this week. I recommend uh, younger age demographics for our jokes of the week. But certainly you can get a laugh out of a four-year-old with that one. So enjoy. Tell us a little bit about what was life uh, like pre-COVID and what are you doing uh, now for play and playing for a living? Yeah, so I call myself a creative catalyst in that I love to spark creativity in people and how I personally love to play pre-pandemic was improvisation. Just like if you are not familiar with improvisation, if you've seen the show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? That is essentially what I did, you know, as many nights a week as I could. On a stage, we would get suggestions. We would make things up on the spot. It was it was awesome. It, it was a lot of fun. And that hobby turned into a profession. We can talk about that later. And then <laughs> The pandemic happened and we couldn't gather in person anymore. Uh, So I had to resort to doing that via Zoom. Uh, It's not as entertaining uh, or as fun to do, but, um, you know, uh, it is, you know, it is what it is. Uh, But also, uh, I'm a dad uh, to a three going on 30 year old and uh, (laughs) he keeps me busy a lot. Um, And and we, we play anything and everything. And it's usually I'm doing it wrong. And, and he's correcting me on, on, um, you know, you know what I should do. Right. So he's going to be a good manager one day. Yeah. Three-year-olds like their own rules for the games, uh, especially creativity uh, games and stuff too. So I'm I'm sure that's fun. Uh, But that's how I met you. I saw you running a workshop uh, around company culture. And I think a lot of companies struggle these days with how do we build the culture? How do we keep the team together while we're all working from home? And I thought your take to creativity was really cool and professional because it's not just about 
being creative, but walking people into that. You you started very uh, simple with people and then got people out of their shells and built creativity over the time, which I, I thought for me was really refreshing. So many people try to just go out of the gates or we're going to have to do this super fun thing or, or try and go really big. But I could tell you were a pro, by the way, you uh, also brought you know the science into it and the team building part, but brought us through a process. So you want to tell us a little bit about how you help teams and cultures have more fun? Yeah. And the reason why I, you know, decided to go down this route of, of creativity and, and use that as, you know, creativity and play as the way that I help teams connect better is because believe it or not, most people don't think that they're creative. Uh, there's a study that NASA did where they were following a cohort of kids from kindergarten all the way through high school. And they found that that cohort at, you know, age five, so kindergarten, 95% of them had genius levels of creativity. Mm -hmm. And so this test that they did was on divergent thinking. So they would give them prompts and they would say, how many different ways, you know, what can you do with that? And these kindergartners, again, had no filter. They were extremely creative. But here's the thing, about age 13, that same group of kids started decreasing in their levels of creativity. And by the time they were 18, only about 3% of them ha still had that uh, high levels of creativity. And so you might be thinking like, what's what's wrong with that? And it's, you know, anything that you would expect, puberty, uh, you know, the fact that um, you might see a, someone that's a peer um, be able to do something that is incredibly creative, you know, or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, that's creativity. I'm not creative. And and therefore that belief yeah. becomes your reality. Um, but creativity is just problem solving. That's all creative creativity is. The other cool thing about creativity, it's not something that you're either born with or without it. It's a skill. And it's a skill that you can learn and get better at. And I find that if you work on creativity with people, one, they start to trust each other a bit more. You start to get that cohesion and you're able to adapt, adapt in, um, you know, situations that are a little bit uncertain. I don't know, like a global pandemic. So, <laughs> right. so that's my focus. And, and I bring play into it because when we were younger, everything we learned was through play. And then as we got older, we sort of lost that, but it's, we're still wired for play. Um, you know, you, you know, this, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking yeah, to right. the, the choir here, but I find that once I invite you know, teams to play, you know, you really get a sense of their true nature and you start to get that uh, vulnerability, which leads to connection, which leads to belonging and trust. Well, I definitely want to circle back to that, that teenage, uh, you know, loss of play and why you think that happens and, and really hear your story too. Cause I know both you and I worked in digital uh, marketing and, and kind of went the computer route and circled back to play. So I want to hear about your story, but yeah. For companies, when people open up and they start playing and start experiencing more creativity, what are the, the benefits? Because I feel like we almost have to sell this to adults that you shouldn't have you to do. sell play. I mean, it's like the world's best drug. You're going to have fun. You feel better. You're more attractive. You're, you know, solving more problems and, and enjoying life. We shouldn't have to sell this, but I feel like we do. Uh, when you're talking with companies and corporations to bring you in, what are they looking for? What, what happens as a result of this? So, you know, being in marketing, you probably heard this before, give them what they ask for or sell them what they ask for and then and give them what they need. So most 
companies, what they're actually, you know, what they're asking for is they want something that are going to help their employees work better. You know, they want to retain top talent. They want them to be more productive. Uh, they want them to be innovative. And, you know, so that, you know, because at the end of the day, they're a company. So in order for the company to keep going, they have to sell more widgets or whatever the case may be. And so they, you know, realize like, well, you know, we have to train our employees. And the fact of the matter is, like you said, play, you know, play is that thing. Um, however, because play is often seen as a frivolous activity, as something that, you know, is just goofing off or something that just kids do. When I was first starting at this, like I had this sort of epiphany where I was like, oh my God, I'm, we're missing play. Like, hello. Like it was like the matrix. I felt like Neo, uh, you know, 90s. <laughs> Me too. It's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like woke up and I was like, oh, I know Kung Fu. Like it was one of those things where I thought, <laughs> like I saw in the code, I was like, that's what we're missing. We're missing play. And I was trying to like, we need play. And people were like, um, no, no, we actually need to work more. And, and so I was like, all right, I had to rethink that because I would literally like go to companies. I'm like, yeah, I want to play with your employees. And they look at me like I was crazy. I was like, I want to bring yeah. recess to your team. And they were like, nope, nope. And so I would start to like, all right, all right, what do we need to do? And then, so then I would say, all right, well, is employee retention important to you? Like, yeah. Is productivity important to you? Like, yeah. All right. I'm going to bring in experience. It's a little bit experiential, but at the end, trust me, your team is going to feel uh, more connected X, Y, and Z. And then I would go and I would lead these play shops and we would do these activities. And at the end of the day, people were like, wow, that was so great. I'm like, guess what? We just played. <laughs> right. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. All we did was play games for the last hour. Gotcha. But I do feel like the pandemic has opened this up a little bit. Now, maybe it's just in my world and I'm I'm seeing more of this play around, uh, which is entirely possible. But I feel like people are asking me now, they go, look, we know our people are depressed, like calls to, to hotlines and, and support services and therapists are going up. Like this is a an issue where I think people are finally going, well, we do need to play. Like we're, we're not missing all the water cooler talk. We can't do happy hours. We're not doing our normal holiday parties. We need to do something to play. Are, are, do you feel like that's changing in our direction and, and people are more people are waking up or is it still, well, we need to make sure they don't quit or, or freak out. We don't want anybody to, you know, hurt themselves, but, but we don't necessarily pro play yet either. Yeah. I, I, I think they are realizing something's missing um, because there's some recent studies because of the working from home, because of the pandemic, people are working up to eight hours more a week than they had, you know, when they were going to the office, because again, you don't have a commute and all these other things. And so they're just like, need to work more, need to work more. And again, the things that people are, uh, you know, that they sort of wrote off as, oh, frivolous stuff, you're not doing. You're right. You don't have that water cooler talk. You don't have that sort of spontaneous sort of connection with the coworker where, you know, you can just like sort of gab over, you know, a joke or something like that. You don't have that after work happy or you don't have any of that. And as a result, we are suffering. And you're right. There is so many, you know, uh, increases in stress and in all of these other things as a result of this isolation. You know, people are feeling like more lonely and detached than ever before. And we thought we had a problem when people were at work, they were feeling, you know, that, and now it's right. amplified because of the pandemic. And so you're absolutely right. Companies are starting to scratch their head and they're like, well, we need to keep our employees happy. They're not realizing what was missing was play, but they're at least starting to come around to it. Yeah. I, I've kind of felt that too. And then 
You made me think of another thing. We both have uh, play personality quizzes, so you can go to playfulhumans.com uh, slash quiz, or you can go to breakthroughplay.com and find that personality quiz too. Take them both. They're free quizzes. Uh, and everybody loves a good personality quiz, right? Compare the results. So I was thinking so much of our play has been sucked out of society too. So even outside of work, all the organized play was canceled and, and stuff the last year, which is crazy because that's the last bastion of where most people were doing anything creative, even like drink and draw places or escape rooms are, are closed. You're really sucking a lot of stuff out, uh, especially with sports of people's play. So for people that don't know or haven't seen ours, what are some different playful personalities or how can people be playful during the pandemic? This is one of the things. Uh, so I pulled this from uh, Dr. Stuart Brown. He wrote this book on play about how it shapes right. our per- personality and whatnot. And he has these seven play personalities. Uh, before I even mention that, just like, you know, if you're, if you're listening and you're thinking like, yeah, like how I used to play before, you know, has been canceled uh, for whatever reason. And, I, and I'm missing that. What I'd like to invite you to do is think about when you were younger, what were the things that you did that brought you joy? The things that you could do for hours on end. Um, and as Dr. Stuart Brown calls it, taking a play history. Uh, because this is the thing we take it for granted because it was just so easy. It was just something that we did. And now we're actually, we have a chance to sort of break it down and understand what it is so that if we're in another situation, like a global pandemic, we can start to realize like, yeah, I'm having this sort of withdrawal, this play deprivation. Let me adapt and figure out what the essence was and how can I do something similar, you know, reimagine what that is. And so, you know, most people, when they think of play, they, you're right, they think of organized sports, they think of a lot of social play. And just because it was just the easy thing, and it was, especially here in the US, is like what we're, you know, sort of known for. We're, we're known for right. sports, we're known for like those sort of activities. But Dr. Stuart Brown, in his book, he, he says that the essence of these things can be in, you know, you know, seven different uh, personalities. Um, you know, maybe you're like me and your form of play is goofing around. You know, you're the jokester type person. Like you like to be, you know, the the person making people laugh. Um, you know, you like to be like the class clown. All right, great. That's one form of play. That's not the end all be all. But some people, their form of play might be cl- uh, collecting things. Maybe you, cl- you know, as a kid, maybe you collect, um, you know, sports cards or maybe you collect memorabilia. You know, if, you know, in thinking back and doing your play history, if, you know, those were the things that brought you joy that you could do just for hours at a time, what are, you know, other things, um, you know, that you could do that or maybe similar. And I call it following your compass of joy. Uh, because again, joy, so happiness. So I want to make a distinction. Most people say, I want to be happy. Yeah. Who doesn't? The thing with happy, happy is usually conditional. I did this thing. It made me happy. Joy is is more of a choice. Joy, uh, like for example, uh, about two, three years ago, I said, you know what? I want to run a half marathon. I want to run a half marathon. I've prior to that barely ran 5Ks, but I'm like, you know what? That's a challenge I, I want to take on. And it was not easy. I would have some of these grueling races uh, and grueling training sessions uh, that were hard. And in the middle, I'm like thinking to myself, what did I get myself into? But at the end, I felt this immense amount of joy. So again, joy is one of those emotions that um, is not conditional. Joy is something that you can sort of turn on. And it takes, again, it takes some intention to have joy. And so that's Again, following the compass of joy is thinking like, what are the things that I, you know, love doing that 
you know, I could do regardless. And, you know, how can I incorporate that again, being intentional into something and it requires some creativity. So, you know, that is again, sort of the, the distilled version of these play personalities, you know, some of the others, yeah. uh, so I mentioned collector, I mentioned the jokester, um, you know, there is the competitor. That's one of them. Uh, you know, uh, most people think of that when they think of play, uh, but there's also and, and body play and, and right. Stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's jumping, you know, jumping overview jacks of those. or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. Uh, that's great. And a lot of those things I think can be done in the pandemic. We might just have to get a little more creative about how we do those or, or think about, um, like you said, really what, what makes you happy that you don't need other people involved to organize it or anything. If you, if you are somebody that enjoys the social part, you know, figure out a way to, to make that happen over zoom or, or something too. But, um, the other side of what you do is the creativity and improvisation. So you specialize really in improv and the creativity side. So well, I guess a good place to start would be what's the difference between play you know, improv and, and creativity or, or what are uh, maybe the attributes of, of how you see those things differently? So improv is an action. Um, you know, we are improvising, we're making things up. Creativity, like I feel like is like the output of our improvisation is something that is creative because creativity is just solving a problem. And improv is one way to get to that. And what I like to say, in order to be creative, most people don't realize this, you need a prompt, right? You need constraints because of it, some kind. Yeah, yeah, you need some sort of constraints. And again, having come from, come from a marketing uh, background, uh, I've worked in so many different situations where people. And this is another sort of one of my pet peeves is I the I feel like the thing that is keeping people from feeling like they're creative is that there are some people that use creative as a noun. Like I I am in the creative department, which is almost implying if you're not in the creative department, you're not creative. And I've worked with some of those people, and they said. No, don't don't give me constraints. I need I need I need the freedom. I need all these things. And the science shows that actually it actually helps you be even more creative by taking things away. Again, think about it like this. Our current environment, we were the things that were taken away from us is meeting in person. You know, we had to we if we were to meet, we had to be at a certain distance. Uh, there was all these constraints that were placed on us. And I feel like the situation that we're in is is dire. Like, you know, it, it's unprecedented. Like I've heard those words time and time again. And there has been so much innovation in the right. last 12 months because of the constraints that were placed on us. People saw a problem, got creative and tried things out. They experimented. Mm-hmm. My friend and I were just texting each other uh, pandemic pluses. There were a lot of good things that, that came out of this. And uh, we happen to be using it sarcastically about somebody we didn't have to meet with this year. But uh, <laughs> but, but there is a, a ton of pluses that people are being more innovative. You know, change being sped up means good change and bad change uh, sometimes. And I love that you said that about constraints because I, I think that is a part that people miss. They, they don't realize that I teach sales, right? If you try and sell everybody, you're going to sell nobody because that, that's too many options for you. You can't decide or, or focus on who's right for you and it just doesn't work. And uh, so much of life happens that way, but we always tend to see the opportunity costs as humans. We tend to see what we can't have rather than what we can or, or the ways around it, which is really interesting. And I, I think that takes us to uh, your history. I want to talk to you about that because as we mentioned, you know, everybody's kind of playful as a kid. And then, you know, we get conscious of our, our bodies and our social status 
and everything else and things start getting weird. And then I feel like there's also society pressure to like get a quote real job and, and go perform. Uh, what was it for you? You mentioned that epiphany. What was it like bef- before that when you realized that something was wrong? How did you know? And then what caused you to start looking for that? How did you come up with that epiphany? Yeah. In order for you to understand like the epiphany, let me just take rewind back just a little bit. Like I said, I was always that goofball. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s. Uh, so like back then, like ADHD, like was a thing, but it wasn't really diagnosed. Uh, it would just go sit in the corner, um, you know, yeah. you know, stop, stop irritating the class. And so my dad, you know, as a way to sort of like give me blinders, give me constraints, he gave me challenges, which like awesome. So he said, cool. look, I know you like to goof around. I know you like to play. I know you like to play your Nintendo and stuff like that. But here's here's the deal. First, you got to do your work. Then I'll let you play. And so it, for me, that was a challenge. Like, all right, cool. Get the work done. I get to play. Do my homework. Super Mario 3. Again, that was like the thing. It motivated me. It gave me direction. And that was like a program that was instilled in me. And then it worked until it didn't work. And it got me through college. And you're absolutely right. Like, it's all right, now you're done with college. Now you have to get a real job. And I found myself like, because there were these check marks of things that I needed to complete. I was like, all right, college check. I got a, uh, an adult job check. All right. I guess yeah. I need to start saving money. You right, have ch- kid. Yeah. Ch- yeah. Right. I need to start moving up this corporate ladder. And all the while I had the program running in the back of my head. You can play when the work is done. You can play when the work is done. And as we all know, the work is never done. And so I thought this burnout thing was like a badge of honor. It's like, uh, you would not believe it. I'm so burnt out right now because I've been working my butt off. You know how many hours I worked? I worked 12 hours. What? And so I found myself like honestly feeling broken. It was like, I got the job that I aspired to be. I, you know, I was a VP. I got there super quick. And, but yet I felt, I felt depleted. Like, I was like, man, I felt like I always needed a vacation. And then when I went on a vacation, it like it took the first couple of days of the vacation just to like get back to normal. And then uh, before I knew it, the vacation was over and then I was back to work. And then by the time I was back to work a few days in, I felt like I needed a vacation again, again, because my worldview, my the lens that I was seeing the world was not that of a playground, you know, of everyone as playmates and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I saw the world as a proving ground. I needed to prove probably to my mostly to myself, if I was being honest, that I was worthy and, and whatnot. And it wasn't until I took an improv class. And so me taking the improv class, because I thought of everything as optimization, all right, I need to optimize my public speaking, I need to optimize this. Someone told me, hey, Gary, if you want to, if you want to get ahead in your career, take an improv class is going to help you with public speaking. I said, all right, I'm scared of this. I don't because I don't consider myself a comedian. But if it's going to help me get a promotion, stuff like that, I'm in. I took that improv class. And it was like, blew your mind. It did because for two hours. So this is the thing. Most people, when they think of like improv, this is why they don't take it is because they think the moment you walk in, they're going to put you on a stage and they're going to say, be funny. And and no, it's not like that. They are training you how if you're in a situation when you all you have is a suggestion, you can think on your feet. And so the games that we played, it reminded me of recess. Um, and that first improv class, I remember it like it was yesterday. For two hours, I was completely focused. For two hours, I was connecting with these 15 other strangers that I had never met before. And after the class, I felt like invigorated. I felt like, wow, that was awesome. And I didn't get drunk. Like, plus. Yeah. 
that's I, a huge thing uh, of it too. I mean, I feel like you could uh, write my biography or we could write each other's here because I mean, that's almost the exact same story. And we mentioned we're almost the exact same age. And I think that uh, that's the other thing that happened to me one, one time is I, I felt that way, really like happy and joyful for once without any type of, uh, you know, chemical <laughs> stimulation. I was like, I used to feel like this all the time when I was a kid and I didn't have drugs or alcohol or anything else. Like, whoa, I want I want this all the time because I used to have this all the time and, and it, it really does change your world. So I got one more question and then I Please. want to play a game with you because yeah. uh, I think we, we've got to do that for sure. We got to do that. But um, who is your play role model? I heard uh, some, one of my other friends say uh, they wanted to be the Beyonce of something. And I thought, oh, who, who would I want to be? And I think I landed on Terry Crews. I want to be the Terry Crews uh, of what I do. Do you have a role model or somebody when you were a kid or now that you're like, man, and that person is playing and living life like I would I would want to play. You know, it's so funny. I've never thought of it like that before until now. And the first thing that came to my head, this, this is so weird because I never thought of this, but I think it works. I want to be the weird Al Yankovic. And 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 hear yeah. me out. Of corporate training weird, or of improv and TV. Right? Yeah. Because weird Al, he he was he's very serious about the work that he does, but he does not take himself serious. Think about everything he yeah. does. He he takes something that's very like, you know, coveted, like, you know, these songs that we, you know, that we uh, love, like Michael Jackson's, uh, you know, bad uh, or beat it or whatever. And he like makes a parody of it and he makes it fun and light. And that it just popped in my head right now. So that's I love it. That's a great answer. I really love Weird Al. I've seen him in, in concert a, a couple of times when I was in radio and, and stuff. And uh, the longevity of his career, too, right? He's definitely playing for a living. That's somebody that is is doing uh, what he loves. But like you said, at the t same time, he takes the music very, very seriously. They they work hard to put on good shows and to put out good songs and do justice. And I mean, the amount of different range he has to have to sing the different songs and speed. I mean, a very talented dude. So that's a great choice. I, I think that's an amazing choice. Okay, you ready to play a game? Uh, it, it always has game. to be a choice here. So uh, play or walk away, Gary. I will play. Uh, yes, I had a feeling that was happening. All right, we're spinning the wheel O games. See what you land on. And you got last word, first word, last word, first word. Uh, improvisation game here where you say a sentence. The last word is the first word of my sentence. And we'll go back and forth and see how many uh, we get. Would you like to start or would I? You know I what? I will, since you were the host, I will let you start. Okay. I was going to eat a blueberry muffin. Muffins are so delicious. Mike, I need one now. Now I'm thinking about something else. Maybe um, spaghetti. Spaghetti sticks and is also delicious. Delicious is how I was described in high school. That was my nickname. Names fit the person. I see you as delicious. Uh, and I was known as dorky. Dorky is also a very popular name to call somebody. I, I don't feel like it is very positive. Positive is a frame of reference. Is also a state of mind. One person's positivity is another person's negativity. 
I think you nailed it. Big round of applause for Gary for playing the game. I, I can't do better than that. That's a great sentence to end on uh, right there. So positivity for everybody. Thank you for playing again. If you would like to find Gary, go to breakthroughplay.com. I highly encourage it. Improvisational facilitation, keynote speeches. He is your man. If you'd like to find out more about Playful Humans and join our club of Playful Humans, people like Gary and I trying to have more fun in life, Go to playfulhumans.com and join the clubhouse. And uh, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. Click subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Nice comments. Always helpful. And uh, if you can't be good, be good at it. That's what I always say. Go out there and play. <laughs>